Greetings and welcome to How We Do Digital Ministry podcast. I'm Christopher Harris, founder of Faith Growth. Faithgrowth.com is where you can find us online, where we help churches and uh, build their online presence and engage with people online and especially engage with their communities online in this COVID and almost post-COVID time. On this podcast, I have a conversation with a church leader and ask them to share how they do digital ministry in their own community. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the Reverend Brenda Boss, the assistant to the bishop for rostered leadership in the Southwest California Synod of the ELCA. Pastor Brenda, please introduce yourself and tell us how you do digital ministry. Well, thank you, Christopher. I'm glad to be here because, um, as you were saying, you're having these conversations or a a website to help churches think about their online presence. And 18 months ago, that was not for everybody. And it was very unique. And most churches said, oh, my people won't ever be online. I don't need it. And after the shutdown of the pandemic, it's become critical. I mean, it's sort of like, do we need do we need um, a musician, you know, you need to have an online presence. So um, I am the assistant to the bishop in Southwest California Synod. And when the pandemic happened in March of 2020 here in Los Angeles, Bishop Guy Irwin and I decided that we were going to have a uh, worship service every Sunday for the Synod, since many of our congregations were stuck, didn't, didn't have the technical capability Um, didn't have the wherewithal to start creating their own content. So we did uh, a service every Sunday, including then extra Lenten services and Pentecost and all of that until the end of the year. So we went from Lent of 2020 through Advent uh, of 2020, um, producing an online service every week that went to YouTube. So I became sort of the producer of that. Sometimes it was from us, I would preach or the bishop would preach, but pretty quickly we started getting uh, preaching and musicians and readers from all over the synod. So it became this massive project, but also an incredible unifier. So that was one thing that I did in digital media. And then um, for a minute, and now we're sort of past that, um, because I have a background in television production, and we can talk about that, um, I was sort of asked to help congregations think through what they could do. And I have a lot of opinions about that. But so for a minute, I was sort of the expert in the synod. I say that um, only because soon after that, everybody became experts and, and, and pastors who had never done video editing before became great at it. And, and everybody became a photographer and all of that. So um, for a bit, I was the one that really helped people think that through. I would say I'm not that anymore, but those are sort of the two biggest ways I do digital ministry. Also, um, we have hired a company called Venly, uh, V-E-N-N-L-Y, that has helped us create a podcast platform. And uh, I can talk about that, too. What I like about them is, is their ease for people who have no idea what they're doing in podcasting. And so um, that's another thing that this synod has, has uh, committed to. Yeah, we'll have to ask more about that because I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something that just hit me, uh, I really love that. You know, I mean, to me, I think where digital has been kind of fun to watch is all the churches coming together and like you at the synod level were saying, hey, we want to do this, but then also bringing those resources together to provide something, a worship service every week. Um, Can you say any more about just how it's, how technology may have helped in the last year really bring, you know, joint ministry together that wasn't there before perhaps? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to say two things. First, so before I was a pastor. I was a television producer in network television. I worked at Warner Brothers in Burbank and created, uh, worked on sitcoms. And 
25 years ago when I started, you couldn't put a VHS tape on television, right? It just looked terrible. You always had to be at a certain level of technical quality. And you could always tell when something was shot poorly. Now, a, an iPhone, right, can shoot video that is good enough. And so that's the first part of technology that's been amazing. When we started to ask different congregations to participate in our synod worship, I could say to somebody, shoot it on your phone and email it to me. And that um, that lowering of the barrier of technology has been amazing. And so now you can have a 14-year-old, you know, go on their phone and record the reading for Sunday and send it. And, and, and you can also have a senior phone in to hear the service. And so that great equalizer of ways to do it has been, has been really, really helpful. And then I had another thing I was going to say about technology, and I have forgotten what it is. But I think it's it's the democratization, right? That everybody can now be a producer and a receiver, I think, has been really one of the most important, important parts. Um, the other thing I think I'll say is uh, how great it is that you can create a service that comes up on Sunday morning. But if you don't want to watch it on Sunday, you might watch it on Tuesday. And I think sort of taking away the specialness of Sunday morning some people are frightened by that, but some people are very liberated by that. And so most of our pastors will say, I put up my YouTube and there's 40 people who watch it at 10 a.m. And then there'll be another 100 people who watch it during the week. And I think that is um, a lesson that we need to embrace moving forward, not just in our digital platforms, but how people consume church moving forward. I hope it gives people um, permission to consider having a Monday night church service right. when they never would have before, because now the sky's the limit. Yeah, well, and to that specific point, I mean, that happened to me this Sunday. Uh, the church I attend does live stream on Sunday morning, and when the video's ready, during the live stream, I was at the ER with my dog, the dog, the pet ER, you know. Uh, she had some cough. Anyways, luckily, she's doing better now with the with the drugs they gave her, but I, I watched, the, I did this worship service last night, finally, yeah. you know, I had the opportunity, and it was a very good service, and I'm glad that I didn't miss it, uh, because I was at the, the, um, the ER with the dog, um, <clears throat> so as a, I, I agree with you, I think this, well, and we even see that with, you know, what has happened, you know, broadcast TV is not the same juggernaut that it was, because we've moved to Netflix and other streaming, where time is not important anymore, it's, it's what whatever time I'm available to, to participate in that. Um, I remember the other thing I was going to say. Okay. So the other thing that we've really seen that I think is so the kingdom of heaven is that now that we're online, people can watch from other parts of the world. Yes. And so we've had so much connection of congregations having members, literal members now in another part of the country. And more excitingly, we now have some joint stuff. We have, I know we have a, a pastor in Glendale who uh, does a Bible study with her father, who's a pastor somewhere on the East Coast. We may, I may have that wrong. But so now these two congregations that are thousands of miles apart are joining together for a Bible study. And so I think this piece is seriously exciting that you can now have geographical uh, influence influence within your uh within your little place so you could be a congregation that only has 50 people but you're joining in a bible study a welka group which is the women of the elca a youth um we're now doing a, a, a youth group that is all of the california synods 
it's it's completely possible because you're online. And I think that's that's the other thing I wanted to talk about that I think is a monster gift, a huge gift that's come out of this. Well, yeah, because I um, I kind of think, you know, because a lot of times you think, oh, technology, um, you know, whatever churches that have affluence or money to buy it. Um, but like you said, it's becoming more of a democratizer. And I see even, I mean, yeah, the churches with money probably can always do better production value. But I guess I'm kind of seeing the opportunity for the smaller churches, especially when they start working together, um, what they can do with the technology and you already have churches that are might, especially if they're rural, they're already feeling maybe disconnected. And now this is a way that they can connect to the larger church. And we can do things like youth group, you know, three synods doing youth group. That's exciting to me. Uh, and, I, yeah. I, and I think that helps uh, our overall church, because I know in the ELCA specifically, I mean, we have a lot of rural congregations that are struggling, uh, you know, to have a minister, you know, to be able to pay a pastor and things like that. So how can they... Anyways, I just think this, this is what excites me. Well, you've shared a lot about what y'all are doing um, in your synod, which sounds exciting. Is there a particular story you might have that you could share just like where you saw God specifically kind of working in this last year, you know, in this online kind of digital arena with, you know, is there an example that pops to your mind quickly? I mean, one of the things is is my own participation in congregations that are not geographically close. I'm I'm in a I'm working I work on call processes, which means that I help a congregation find a new pastor, and I'm really active and close with uh, a, a in, for an example a congregation in Atascadero, which is in Central California. It's uh, at least 200 miles from here. And it's the farthest reaching congregation in our synod. And if we didn't have this digital world. I probably would have been up there once and on the phone otherwise, but instead I've been in zoom calls with their council and then their call committee multiple times. Like I'm really feel close to those people and I've never met them. I'm going to drive up and be there in two weeks. And we'll all be like, we've never been in the same room together, but we have this beautiful ministry together. So I would say that's the first thing. The first story I want to tell is just the ease of meetings and the church business that I don't think congregations got as much care because of that. And I think the other thing I would say is just the opportunity to be preaching and presiding and attending uh, worship in different places. Um, I got a call last Saturday night at 10 saying, we need a pastor for 10 a.m. tomorrow morning on a Zoom call. Their pastor had been detained and, and they, needed, they needed help. And we got to think about, do we know somebody we could call now at midnight in Chicago and wake them up? Because I knew a pastor that I really thought would be great for them that doesn't live here. And to even think about that. We decided not to do that because another idea came to mind. But the idea that we could go, who do we know that could use work in another part of the country and could be with you in six hours? I mean, that kind of thing is just, just so exciting. Yeah, I know. That's hard. I mean, that's almost hard to fathom when you think about where we came from just 12 months ago and how that question would have been framed 12 months ago. I, I had a congregational president who said, we need a pastor for pulpit supply. And I've looked at your list and these three people live close to us. <laughs> and I said, do they need to live close to you? Are you doing in person? No, no, we're online. I said, open up the list. You don't need it to be somebody who's 25 miles away. You can have somebody that's 400 miles away. And yeah. she was like, oh my God, you're right. You know, they had to sort of break out of that mindset of local pastor. Well, that, that reminds me of a story. Another one of our podcast guests, uh, Pastor Angie Shannon, um, and actually her episode will come out um, 
well we're recording this it'll be out by the time uh the, no, by the don't time let me go hear. after angie shannon don't let me go after and let me go first let her be sorry, later sorry angie's <laughs> just in the can and it's, it's going to release soon but no but one of the things she's going to do this summer on the front end or, or maybe the back end of her vacation i can't remember one of the sundays she's actually going to preach on zoom back to the church um, because they'll have some people in person and then some people yeah. still on that to, and part of her reasoning is I want them to get used to that our preacher doesn't always have to be in the space, even if we're in this space. And so kind of just, I, I mean, she's still taking a full vacation, but she's kind of going to do a little bit of it um, remote herself. Uh, and I thought that was a very good idea to kind of like, oh, let's get them used to this. This is a possibility. We don't have to do it all the time, but it's a possibility. And uh, I thought that was clever. I think it's, yeah, the opposite, right? Because we think of, we broadcast from the sanctuary out and she's saying, no, no, sometimes I'm going to broadcast in, you know, you'll be sitting there and I won't be there. Exactly. Um, yeah. We had an installation earlier this year where the sum of the congregation was in person and the bishop was on a big screen zooming in. It was, you know, you can do it now. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't oh. want to necessarily do an installation. I mean, an ordination with the laying on of hands, although people have figured it out, but yeah, installation, why not? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, so I think that's, yeah, we're just reframing that, how we would do that, how we've done it in the past. And so, I mean, I guess to me, one of the exciting things is that, you know, and I, as I've even thought about this, you know, a lot of people, oh, we're going back or how are we going to go back? And I really, you know, if I was asked straight out, it's like, I really don't want to go back to the way we were doing things. I want to kind of, how do we keep moving forward and would question, you know, if, uh, hey, if we have the opportunity to go back in the building, do we need to do everything we were doing before? Or I would kind of almost let things start growing back more organically based on where the passion of our people are um, because I really don't want to go back. That's how excited I am <laughs> after a year of digital ministry. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think digital ministry forced us to say what matters, what's important. And, and we do see that being together matters, but it's not, but we can be different. We can be together in a different way. And if you've, if you were in the call, the first time your congregation came back together on zoom, you know, like the, I was, I've been in congregations when they haven't been together. And after six months, after nine months, after a year, they finally try zoom. And that first time when the 80 year old goes, Oh my God, Christopher, like it's the best thing yes. ever. So we can still connect in that way. Um, but I think you're right. I would love to sort of boil it down to what matters most and then build back up from that. And it is, boy, it tells you a lot about a congregation when they say what matters most is the kids running around. What matters most is coffee hour. What matters most is communion. Some people have said they had no idea that they would actually starve for communion. Uh -huh. And so to find out what matters most in each congregation is a gift. And yeah. I think we should not waste that question. I love that. That's an important question to ask. And, and anyway, I do see a lot of churches struggling or not struggling, mean, just discerning would be the word I should really use, discerning with that, discerning that question. But then I see some just kind of pushing past it to, in my opinion, too fast. Um, That's church, right? Exactly. I mean, some people just cannot bear the chaos. And, uh, and I think that's sad. I think God is saying, I stirred this up. I mean, you know, God did not bring COVID to stir up churches, but this is a side benefit. So let's that's, do something about it. One of the ways that God has redempt the crazy, redempt, redeemed the craziness. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, God didn't cause that or want that necessarily, all this death, but 
there is some no. bright, bright spots in it. So thinking about, you know, churches that are considering kind of what's next, maybe in the digital realm or hybrid realm or anything like that, because I know you talk with lots of churches. What is there any particular tips that you might have yeah. uh, for churches as they're discerning? So I think one of the key learnings to me is early on in the pandemic, we started having online forums uh, for pastors, laity, anybody who wanted to come and get support around all of it, around digital, around loss, uh, as racial violence, you know, was being highlighted. We talked about that. And one of the key learnings I had is there was a pastor who was bedbound and had been for 10 years. And he kept reminding us how important this was to have digital, to open up to those who were not able to come to church. And over and over, he would talk about like, this can never stop. And he was the one that taught me about how easy it was to teach a, a, a senior who didn't have the internet to use their phone and what platforms allowed that and those types of things. So I think we shouldn't say, woohoo, we've got a break. We don't have to be digital anymore. I think we have to do both. So the key piece, and this would be my criticism about what's been happening, and God knows everybody tried and did the best they could, and thank God for that. And I honestly think that the, the gospel has been proclaimed, right, through the internet. Yeah. Um, when we go to church on Sunday in the room, it's a play, right? We're sitting back, there's a stage, there's players, there's movement. It's staged. And I mean that in a positive way, not in a negative way, but it's a play. And when we watch online, it needs to be television. And there is a difference, right? Like you and I are not sitting 70 feet apart with pews in front of us. It's very intimate. It's very tight. And so I would encourage people who are broadcasting from their sanctuaries to think deeply about where I can put the camera so that it's not at the back of the sanctuary. Ain't nobody need to see 90 pews. They need to see your presider with the bread and the wine. And so um, my favorite version of broadcasting going forward is to make sure that your shot is tight enough that it's easily consumable for those at home. The second, and this may be even more important, is your sound needs to be good. And so I really am saddened by congregations who a year into it are still putting a camera in the back and the speakers are the only source of sound. And so it's terrible. And so the good news is you can buy about a $150 uh, wireless microphone that can connect even to your phone if you're using a phone, if you're using a camera or if it's going through your soundboard, even better. But, but get people mic'd and it will make such a difference, especially if some of your consumers, some of your congregants are seniors who could use a boost, right? Who could yeah, use yes, yes. more clearly. So I think camera angle matters, microphone matters even more. So, and um, you can figure this out and you can figure out how to get your piano to sound okay or your organ or your singers. It's gonna sound different than it does in a room. It just is. But this I think is the piece that we owe it to ourselves and it doesn't have to be a $70,000 upgrade. Some people are doing that. It doesn't have to be. And so that's really where I, I want to encourage people to really uh, make some thoughtful tech choices. No, I, I agree with you because I think when there was nobody in the room, you know, we, it was easier for them. And they, and pastors were like literally preaching to the cameras. 
it's easy for them to imagine and put it together in such a way that we're talking straight, you know, to the viewer, to the worshiper. Um, and I'm a little concerned as someone who I have helped, I've done live stream in church, helped my church put it in in 2012. And in 2012, it was okay that we kind of put all that in the back of the room. But I will tell you, I mean, I'm not involved anymore, but I know what we had set up in there, which was almost $20,000 of equipment and what as well, going forward is not enough because our shots are, are all putting people just really, they're not being able to worship themselves. They're watching other people worship with, if I think about the shots that we put there. And so I'm a little nervous that I, I, I think your caution is good because we are going to have to think through how do we create a good experience for both. And it's not just a camera in the back because that's not going to be good enough. Right. It makes people feel distant now, but here's another thing. And this is sort of uh, video 101. And so for those of you who are on podcast, you're not going to be able to see this, but people on video will, when you're in a tight shot, like you and I are right now, right? We're in very close shots. As soon as I move my camera, it gets quite disruptive because the shot is so tight. And so that is a second challenge because if you're going to be shooting pretty tight on your pastor, and by the way, I would think this is too tight for if you're, for those who are listening, you know, we're in that classic zoom shot of just your face. That's probably too tight for worship. But if you were back, you know, a little farther so that you've got pastor to maybe waistline, that's going to feel much more satisfying. But then you've got to think about panning carefully over to a lector or to the choir. And that is going to take a little bit more skill. And so therefore that piece of moving the camera, you probably do want to back up a touch. Um, but this is, this is something I would experiment with. I would also not move the camera very much, you know, be very thoughtful of how often you move the camera because it's hard. It just is. Yeah. Well, I like, I think you said an important word in there and that's experiment. And I, and I think with all things digital right now, we really don't know the best way forward. And the only way we're going to find it is kind of experiment and share that with one another. Well, you know, a, an axiom in television is they need to see it and they need to hear it. And so, you know, we used to always be like, oh, that's going to look so cool. And, oh, there's going to be an explosion. And, oh, that's so funny. Not if they can't see it and hear it. And so really in, spirit, in experimentation, you are successful if they've seen it and heard it, you know? Yeah. Um, no, that's <laughs> Kind of even makes me think of Thomas right now, as we are in the Easter season. I let me see those scars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. So tell me, what do you think the church may look like in say five, ten years from now? I would suspect we will continue to do. We will. We will. We will maximize this idea that you can be a congregation together, not in the same space, and so people who are going to be successful at this have found ways to keep engaging uh, my members in Boston when I'm in California. Um, so I think the church of the future is going to be a little less, well, might be deeply less location-based and much more common interest or common ministry or that type of thing. Um, I mean, I can imagine a future where um, three or four groups of people have found each other online um, and are all doing homeless ministries in their cities, but with um, resources or inspiration or encouragement together. And maybe they're sharing uh, CEO, maybe they're sharing guest speakers, that kind of thing. So I think the future, we knew that the future church was much more connected to each other and to the neighborhoods. 
And so the idea that actually our congregations can be far flung and be working together, I think is a part of it. Um, the best, the best version of the church going forward will have a digital presence um, that is a gift as opposed to a burden. Um, uh, and, you know, we have to think about that with everything, right? As we open our doors, as we get better at accessibility for the disabled, as we get better at multiple languages, um, at first it feels like a burden and then you see what a gift it is. And, and I think we'll need to get into that mindset um, and thankfully, technology isn't as expensive as it used to be. And so that doesn't have to be quite the barrier either. Um, the best, the churches who are best at this don't need to have the three robot driven cameras and the digital soundboard. You know, they, they, they may be able to figure it out with much uh, less expensive equipment. I mean, I wonder about a future where, you know, you're, you're, you've got three laptops shooting and some way that people can switch between those cameras. I mean, that's a much complicated, more complicated thing, but that's, re that's a real possibility as opposed to having to buy a whole camera package, you know, that kind of thing. That's not supposed to make noise, so I don't know what that's doing. I apologize. And that will be part of the future of the church too, is the, um, is the online beeping of things that happen, right? I know, exactly. I'm like, oh no, my apologies for that. Um, well, thank you for sharing that vision of the future church. Uh, really like the communal aspect. Um, and I liked what you said. Um, this is a good, I hadn't thought about it this way. You know, yeah, at first, just to me, the technology has never been a burden, but I'm, I'm, I'm just familiar enough with it. We're it that guy, a, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it is a burden, but I like how you put that with like, you know, multiple languages, being accessible to those that are differently abled. Um, you know, and when I saw it that way, I was like, yes, it is a burden. And then it becomes a gift. Once we engage it, we see the gift. And I, I think that's an important, uh, I appreciated you sharing that. And that was a little, something clicked for me there uh, in an important way. Um, well, that is all the time we have today. That really was what that nasty buzzer was about um, that I thought was on silent. Anyways, I want to thank you, Pastor Brenda, for being our guest on how we do digital ministry. I want to invite all of our listeners and viewers to be sure to either subscribe to the podcast or follow us on YouTube. Pastor Brenda, how can our listeners find and follow you online? Well, that's the embarrassment, right? I'm not terrific. I am on Facebook and it's Brenda Boss, B-O-S. Um, I do have a Twitter, B-K Boss, B-O-S, but I'm rarely on Twitter. So don't be looking. And I have an Instagram. I'm not even going to tell you about it because I'm never on Instagram. But really, I would say the Facebook and then my professional email is bboss. B-O-S at SoCalSynod.org. And that's SoCal, Southern California, SoCalSynod.org. And, um, and then our podcasts are also currently coming through Southwest California Synod um, uh, Facebook and on our, our website. And again, those are powered by Venly. And if you want to hear more about that, that's a podcast company that we're using that I is, is just makes it so easy for people like me to become podcasters. So um, I'd be happy to talk to people about that as well. So uh, we will be sure to list all those in the link, um, including a link to Venly so people can look at their website. Um, I'd like to thank you again, everybody, for listening today. Uh, I'd like to connect with you in other ways. And I'd like you to ask to join our private Facebook group called, and you're not, you're not going to believe this, it's called How We Do Digital Ministry. Look at that. That's link, that connection. amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, the link to the Facebook group is in the show notes with all the other info from today's show. That Facebook group is a good place for you to ask your digital ministry questions of other members of the group, and we can all learn together 
It's also uh, about once a quarter, I'm going to do a Q&A show uh, to answer your questions, and we'll get most of those questions from uh, the Facebook group. So go join the Facebook group, join other colleagues, and let's figure out how to do this digital ministry. Until next week, blessings and peace to you all. Thank you.